Hi, and welcome to an episode of the Jet Rails Podcast. I'm Robert Rand, your host. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about fraudulent e-commerce orders and changes that we're seeing during uh, this pandemic. Um, you know, people are sitting at home. They don't necessarily have their normal income. Maybe they're uh, feeling a little brazen about uh, taking advantage in some ways or, or or just trying to get by whatever their motives are. Um, there are definitely some some changes happening. And so we brought uh, an expert on the line. We've got Raphael from ClearSale here to tell us a little bit about what's going on in the world of online uh, e-commerce fraud and uh, shed some lights. Raphael, with, with no further ado, if you'd introduce yourself. Thanks, Robert. And thanks for our audience to for having me here. Uh, ClearSale helps online merchants in uh, preventing from fraud. Uh, in card not present transactions. Um, and we've been doing this since 2001. So uh, I've seen personally myself a lot of different numbers and different trends happened uh, happening. I'm at the company for 12 years and uh, as the executive vice president and partner of the company, uh, my background is in, in analytics. So I was there in the front talking uh, uh, to merchants and with Martians about uh, the numbers and the trends and everything else that was going on in the last in these last years and these last two weeks have been pretty new for for all of us and I'm glad to share information about it and our conclusion so far. And you know, ClearSale has been helping businesses avoid credit card fraud for well for a long time as as I've known the company. Is this the first, uh, I get, you know, not just pandemic maybe, but uh, um, downturn or, uh, you know, or, or some sort of a, a calamity that you've experienced where um, maybe there's a change in fraud patterns? Um, I, I'd say things of that nature, of that size, yes, it's the very first time. Uh, we had in the past the Zika virus in Brazil that affected us a little bit. Um, and also a few years ago, also the H1N1 uh, that had, but it, it did have a small impact comparing to that one, especially considering the lockdowns and all that that brings to the table. Um, there are other situations, though, that change behavior, like a big event in the world, World Cup or Olympic Games or stuff like that, as well as sales peaks, just like Black Friday and, and stuff like that. Uh, that change the behavior. So some of the techniques we are having to use right now are uh, coming from ex from past experiences of that nature. Uh, but I would say that it's pretty unique what we are uh, living right now. Yeah, I, I, I suppose it's going to be hard to find someone that, that doesn't see the current situation out there as, as unique. Um, I, I don't think any of us alive have anything to really compare it to directly. But um, when you do say that you, you've seen other instances where something going on in the world is changing fraud techniques, patterns, just, uh, you know, you find a rise in, uh, in attempts to place orders with stolen credit cards or, or you know, similar, uh, similar fraud going on. What is driving some of that from your experience? Do you have insight into, you know, at least... Uh, you know, a hypothesis why something like the World Cup or the Zika virus or H1N1 or, or you know, any of these sorts of, uh, in some cases, very different events have an impact on 
uh, on these trends. Yeah, I, I would say that it's it's uh, as much as it, it does affect the fraud uh, patterns and fraud attempt rates. For instance, it may affect to the to increase it or, or decrease it. Also, it affects the sales of e-commerce in general, right? So you have some segments that uh, had changed drastically. The volumes of orders, the volume of transactions and visits and everything else um, related to their business. For instance, hospitality, airlines, um, events, tickets are some of those verticals that are most affected by what's going on. Obviously, uh, some of them even shutting their websites down, uh, as well as you have drug drugstores, groceries, and supermarket delivery, food, and everything else uh, with a, a, a peak, right? So what happens here is that as much as it affects marketing and every other piece of the online business, anything that goes too far from the predictable affects, especially especially when it comes to uh, a so analytics intense uh, job as fraud prevention is. So there are algorithms, there are rules uh, that are set up on the systems, and those are we're not expecting uh, those variations. So uh, there will be some, uh, we are seeing in our own systems and also talking to merchants and people on the market, we are seeing and facing a bunch of uh, changes. And when I compare it to the to the situations I described it before. That's the, basically the same situation where you gotta uh, understand that the status quo is no longer, you know, the, uh, is no longer the answer for whatever questions have we are we are facing. So that's that's the analogy I made where those big events and the, those changes push at us into a direction of of being ready to change, basically on a daily basis. Yeah, and. You know, so I, part of what I'm I'm picking up is that there are, uh, you know, perhaps that there that the actual fraudsters are acting differently, or maybe there's more of them, or or, or something. But also that just because there's major impact to overall business, that if, if a, a exactly. website is selling only thirty percent of their normal volume, I, I would imagine that the the folks that are coming to place fraudulent orders aren't slowing down, and so you're seeing a bigger percentage of of orders and or order attempts might be fraudulent than normal. It may not be an, a net increase in in the number of of uh, fraud attempts in some cases, at least. But it's going to feel like it. Um, yeah, you know, and, exactly. And, and the potential impact on a business, you know, when you're selling, I'm going to pick numbers out of a hat, but whether you're selling a hundred thousand dollars or uh, you know ten million dollars a month in uh, in, in goods, um, when you uh, you know when you go down to ten percent of that. Um, but you still have, you know, ten thousand dollars worth of fraud <laughs> a month. Exactly, um, you're going to feel that uh, in a whole other way. So yeah, you hit the nail on the you, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, there are several, let's say, several uh, approaches in which the fraud prevention uh, strategies are impacted by what's going on, and one of them, and perhaps the the, the first one I'd like to mention is the fact that with the volumes changing and the uh, fraud attempts number not necessarily following the the, the same um, trends. What happens is the fraud attempt rates changes, right? So I, I was having let's say a hundred orders a month, two of those being a fraud attempt. So I have two percent of fraud attempt rate. Now because I'm selling uh, hand sanitizers or something, I'm lucky enough to be on this market. 
in which is, uh, we're seeing an increase, I sell 200 orders. So the same two fraud attempts now represent, instead of 2%, they represent 1%. So we are talking about a reduction in fraud uh, attempts percentage, even though the fraud attempts in, in, in numbers are the same. And unfortunately, the same, hap- the same happens to the other side of the, the situation where I'm an airline, I was used to sell 10,000 orders a month, which of, uh, of which like less than 100 were fraud attempts. But now the same 100 are uh, comparable to less than half or even less than one quarter of the orders that are being placed right now. If you add, add it up to meaning a, a larger chargeback rate, and if you add up to, let's say, the, all the refunds that are coming from this behavior, like in the hospitality and airlines uh, uh, verticals, for instance, then you do have a huge problem in your relationship with your card processor. And a big part of that is, is, is related to fraud. You know, it, it's interesting. You know, so I guess it's some version of economies of scale uh, coming and, and impacting and, you know, I, I guess that what not all merchants always know if they're, they're newer to dealing with credit card fraud is um, that, in essence, you're left holding the bag. So not only did you pay whatever raw cost of the goods, but you paid for the shipping. Um, you thought right. you had a good payment and now you've got a charge back and that money is gone. Yeah. Um, that, the, you know, that the credit card holder um, is made whole because their card was stolen and they're not responsible for it. You as the merchant are, are left without the funds. Yeah, um, a lot so of business, the, the yeah, a lot of entrepreneurs starting business online don't realize that this is a, an important part of their, their decisioning when it comes to online business. I'm not saying you've got to be a, a specialist in fraud prevention to have uh, an online business, but at least understanding that the fraud prevention affects your bottom line in so many ways. And starting by, as you said, the, the, the financial liability that a transaction that you, you approved, ha- I mean, it's, it's uh, on your shoulders if uh, somebody uh, uh, asks for a refund. So it's a, an important part of your cost. Let's say the average online merchant in the U.S. has a 70 basis points uh, average chargeback rate, meaning what, uh, 70, 0.70% of what they sell turns back turns out to be a chargeback a fraudulent chargeback so if you have a margins of seven percent and i'm being optimistic here depending on your segment right you're talking about this line of cost representing um 10 percent of your costs right sentence of for margin sorry uh and that's one of the lines if you think about the fact that uh transactions have to be declined fraud prevention in the end of the day is deciding which orders are going to go through which are not right so if you're declining some orders and you know no human, no uh, system will be perfect, you are probably doing what we call false positive, meaning declining orders that are were actually good orders or good consumers trying to buy. And that can be up to 5 or 6% of the sales. Uh, sure, so well, we're you also know, talking... You, yeah. you want to order something for, I don't know, you know, for your... You know your your boyfriend or girlfriend who has a different address, a different last name, or your niece or nephew, or you know cousin or whatever it may be, and the name doesn't match, the address doesn't match the billing address. It doesn't look all that great. Um, you know the IP address is 
out of range because it's not being delivered somewhere near where the uh, you know where the order originated on the web. Um, and so, to a lot of fraud filters, it could look like a bad order. It could look exactly. like something scary to fill, like it might be a you know a stolen credit card, someone you know that's uh, making believe that they're you and shipping something somewhere across the country. Um, so, I, you know, that's that's very common that people don't realize uh, that, that there is money on the table that I consider um, I'd call it, uh, you know, better fraud prevention to be part of conversion rate optimization um, because, sure. you know, bad fraud filters, you know, something too basic. It's usually blocking good orders. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some reports tell that uh, SMB uh, businesses in the U.S., are declining around 7% of their order due to fraud prevention filters or, or rules or even uh, manual review on their own. Um, and it's hard for me to believe that 7% of the, the order attempts are actually frauds. There are fraudsters behind. I tend to believe in a number between 1.5% and 2% of uh, fraud attempts on average for these uh, SMBs. Yeah, maybe if they're selling electronics or jewelry or something. Exactly. Basically, something that you could uh, sell on the street pretty easily, fairly untraceably, um, things like that, you know, where there's that kind of cash value. You're selling socks. I don't, you know, I don't see you having 7%. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, we've we've seen fraud in each and every type of product. (laughs) Yeah, we've seen uh, fraud in, in each and every type of product, much more on a matter of... Uh, testing credit cards for uh, different usage. So you cannot be 100%, you know, uh, uh, unadvised. But I'm with you. I mean, I think people overreact and overrate a little bit fraud rates. And let's say if we believe in something around 2% and uh, the average is 7%, there's a magical 5% new sales that can could come from that. And uh, I would say people traditionally think about the frauds here as like, a guy, a boy sitting behind their, their, their laptop trying to buy something for himself. But the reality is that most of fraud is actually organized crime uh, aiming to resell the goods. And, and that goes back to your point where they will be tra- targeting products and stuff that can be resold and that it has a, a, a big liquidity. Uh, and and that's, that's, that's something that no, not everybody realizes. That's interesting. So... Uh, so in essence, you know, you're, you're dealing with, uh, with a more organized effort and, you know, that's, that's part of why it, it doesn't really slow down. It's not sporadic. And when we're talking about online fraud, uh, and which, you know, I, I, at least tangentially, I'd like to think that there's been a, a little increase since, uh, at least here in the United States, since uh, retailers finally started to, uh, uh, to, to force, uh, shoppers to use, you know, the, the uh, chips in their cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's harder um, to replicate that card to use it in store, um, to use it somewhere brick and mortar, um, pushing fraudsters, you know, deeper and deeper uh, toward uh, e-commerce um, for targets. But, you know, keep, keeping all of that uh, in mind, you know, the, the people that are getting all these stolen credit cards and using them, that's not just something that, you, you know, yes, you can, I'm sure, get lots of Lots of great stuff on the dark web, right? I mean, you know, if that if that's you, uh, in life. If you want to, you know, if, if you want to be a bad actor, um, you'll find a way. For but sure. I'd like to think that the ones that are really out there stealing the credit card data and buying up treasure troves of it, 
um, that, you know, these are folks that are more organized. It's not yeah. the, uh, the high school student in the basement or whatever. Yeah, definitely agree. And if you think about what you just said, the reality is fraudsters understand and have the fraud as their jobs, right? So if, if I don't have a job into the card present orders anymore, because it's harder and harder for me to replicate a card due to ship and, and pin code thing, um, well, I'm, I'm migrating to online. That is uh, much easier. And, and uh, surprisingly or not, uh, the United States were uh, a late adopter of the technology of the chip and pin. Very so late. Look at yeah. Europe, Australia, South America. So, uh, and and the good thing about it is that we know what happened in those places, and we know what's very likely to happen in the U.S. Uh, 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 according to this experience, and what is re- very likely to uh, to happen, as I said is uh fraudsters they are not uh you know changing their minds oh now, now that i can't make my fraud on card present let me find a job a, a real job you know what i mean so they will move to a different kind of fraud very likely credit still on the credit card fraud business but now off, uh, online right so that 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 movement that started in 2015 still has impacts as much as the migration from uh, uh to the chip and pin uh, gets more and more prevalent into the brick and mortar businesses. You know, and we can hope that online technologically continues to to catch up a little bit. Um, you know, obviously there's the technology like your team brings to the table to help uh, cut down on on fraud, um, but there's also standards that have been coming out of Europe. Um, is that uh, is that PSD two? Yeah, through the S, through the security. Channel. Yeah, that you know, it's almost a, a form of two-factor authentication. Make sure right. that the, the you know that the person using the card is is the card holder, um, is the shopper, things of that nature. So you know, but it's it's a game of whack-a-mole. It's like anything else. You you build the wall, they figure out how to go over it, under it, through it. Um, you know, you know security is always about vigilance. It's uh, it's never about letting your your guard down. Yeah. And speaking of, so you know, we're in the middle of you know some very unique times, uh, have you been hearing anything in particular interesting from clients? Um, any any particular you know unique situations or, or pretty much just uh, you know standard for this? Um, you know where where maybe again you know as as we talked about bigger percentage uh, of fraud because their orders are down or some other um, some other mathematical change, but but overall not a big change in the status quo. Well, I would I would like to mention two elements here. The first one is in the in the fraud side, and the other one is on the fraud prevention side, meaning what merchants and solution providers are doing to face this situation. First of all, in the in the the fraud fraudsters side, let's say um, the month of March has been the highest uh, number of phishing websites ever seen actually five times higher than uh, than February. Wow. And the, so I believe that it has a lot to do with, you know, the, the increased interest in buying stuff uh, related to the to the crisis or uh, or looking at information related, you know, so people are, mo- are more uh, subject to, uh, you know, following those traps and putting their personal data, personal information uh, on those phishing and malware websites, when, and, you know, when you're flustered, when you're upset, when you're nervous, when when you know when you're tired, 
you don't make the best decisions. So yeah, exactly. you know, p- people in a crisis um, sometimes, unfortunately, become sitting ducks easier to, to take advantage. And there's always, unfortunately, someone out there that that's that, uh, you know, that's going to take that opportunity. Exactly. And and after those, and you asked me before about, you know, situations that we kind of use as experience to face an unprecedented, obviously, situation like we're facing. One of the things is every data breach that happened uh, in the past, uh, the, the famous ones like Target uh, or even other Home Depot, uh, Off Deep, Elf's Depot, and, and etc. Um, that's basically the same situation here. The more phishing websites, the more personal data available out there to the fraudsters, and they know that this is, uh, uh, let's say, uh, a time-sensitive resource, mm. as you say, you know. So they it's want a gold to rush. They're gonna exactly. they're, they're gonna jump on it now and. You know, hopefully they, they get to get that, that little house on that island that they wanted. Yeah, exactly. So or they whatever it may be, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they run into it and they try to use these data points as fast as they can because they know that everybody will have access to that. That's what happened in data breaches. I would say that there's no re- that there's reason to believe that a, 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 a spike, a super high spike, you can share with your, you and all the, your audience later the, the graph, but this, this spike in fashion phishing websites uh, could also trigger uh, a raise in, in fraud prevention attacks. So that's that's eventually the first item I want to share mm. uh, when it comes to the, the changes we are seeing. More stolen here. credit cards out there to be tested, they're going to be attempted more. So Exactly. And even personal them. data, meaning if you think about it, some I mean, you share, you see all those news and check this graph of coronavirus in your city, in your neighborhood, whatever. And then when you click on it, there is, you know, this this uh, phishing and malware uh, technologies that kind of, you know, uh, uh, gather your data points, your data from your computer or whatever. So any data point is uh, involved in personal information is useful to fraudsters when doing fraud, committing fraud online, because you got to pretend you are, let's say, I'm, I got to pretend I'm, you, I'm Robert, so I'll, it's useful for me to know your phone number, your uh, uh, address, because it's going to become my billing address, and anything else that I know about you will, you know, increase my chances of uh, using your personal information into my fraudulent order. So, uh, not only credit card, but obviously including credit card. Uh, when a fraudster puts their hands on it, then you're going to have a fraud spike. Makes sense to to me, um, you know. Looking at it a little differently from what's going on with with your team, obviously a lot of us uh, in the technology industry in general has mostly gone remote wherever possible. Um, you know, any major impacts on uh, on clear sale on you know the services that you're providing on um, yeah you know on, on how well, your uh, you know how you're tackling. Yeah, that's the second. Yeah, that's the second element I I was mentioning. Um, clear as as well as uh, all the other merchants and solution providers out there, ClearSale is facing this unique situation where uh, people are uh, forced almost to work from home, and that changed drastically uh, situation of when if when you think about. Uh, uh, customer service departments, right? So uh, some of our merchants or 
most of our merchants, if not all of them, have their customer service uh, reps as an in-office uh, job, right? So they, they are using their own, uh, let's say, their desktop instead of a laptop uh, uh, personal computer. And that's a, a first challenge when it comes to working from home. Um, and, and fraud prevention, more than 80% of uh, North America-based uh, merchants have some sort of manual review, right? So you have technology, and that plays a, an important role in into approving a lot of orders automatically or even declining some of the orders based on the behavior. But when an order is flagged, very likely there will be someone looking at it, a human being, right? He, and ClearSale outsourced this uh, element, uh, the whole element of fraud uh, prevention decisions. And for that reason, we have almost 1,000 fraud analysts spread uh, around the world. And this oh, is, is that people, all? Just a thousand? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and imagine I had 1,000 people a week from now with a 100% in-office job. And in less than 10 days, we had to move all this contingents of people to work from home. So yeah. has, it has been crazy days for, for ClearSale. And when we talk to merchants and, 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 and other solution providers that also have this kind of uh, in job in office job as their their rule as their their standard uh well the challenges are uh, you know uh, uncountable i started by saying these people uh usually some of these people use not laptops but desktops so you got to either move the desktop to their houses or you know buy a laptop or whatever uh two a lot of these positions because they are 24 hours uh, a day you have a position that is shared, the same machine, the, sh- the same desktop is shared by two or more reps. Yeah. So you don't have enough laptops and you don't have enough personal computers. Interesting. And, That's yeah, one that I, I don't think anybody's actually, you know, talked with me about yet. That, you know, the fact that you can't get a webcam right now, that they're all sold out or, um, you know, things like that. That's a reality, but yeah, um, but that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and think about it, customer reps, customer service reps, we're talking about a lot of a, a lot going on via email and chat and stuff like that, but still, people want to have a number to to call. And then I'm calling this person that's uh, commonly an entry level position, right? So how many people are there in the house of these people that are now working from home? How noisy it is the environment in which these people are now having to work from? Uh, and I mean, several challenges. At ClearSale, we are ready. Actually, yesterday was the day in which 100% of our uh, fraud analysts uh, uh, became 100% working from home. So mm-hmm. we are kind of uh, celebrating that. But a lot of our merchants and clients, um, especially on the customer service and not the fraud prevention uh, step and piece of the business, they're still struggling and asking, trying to outsource it to solution providers and stuff like that. Because that has been a trend. I mean, people are freaking out a little bit on that matter, especially on the customer service uh, uh, side of the business. And that has been uh, something that we are all talking about. Yeah. You know, hopefully, um, you know, I've got kids in the house right now. So, you know, hopefully uh, uh, folks that regardless of who they're calling and why they're calling, that they're just, you know, empathetic to what's going on in, in the universe and that. Uh, you know, those of us that rely on children being in, in whether it's daycare or, or school or whatever it may have been, um, that uh, that we're all in this together, that it's it's a health and safety issue. So, 
yeah. you know, but, but yeah, I, I can imagine being a customer and <laughs> wondering about some of that. Then again, I, I've worked remotely for a couple of years. So, uh, certain things that, um, I guess certain bridges that I've, I've crossed, um, you know, would you say that, um, that some of the trends that you're seeing are different depending on where you are? So I, I know that ClearSale is a very international organization. Um, would you say that websites in certain countries are seeing, you know, more of a spike than others or that, um, or that the, the spike in, um, in fraud attempts is coming from certain parts of the world more often, or it's pretty much just, you know, there are bad actors wherever you are. And, you know, maybe it's plus or minus a little bit, but you just have to be vigilant. Yeah, well, there, there are fraudsters everywhere, um, some reach, but, but definitely the geographical uh, element, let's say, is, is very tough when it comes to, you know, the fraud rate of each country. Why? Because the, uh, the fraud is a local phenomenon, right? So we are talking about someone trying to take advantage of the system. And, uh, and there are uh, at least three elements uh, that, has to do, that have to do with geography that uh, affect the fraud, ra- the fraud uh, rates. So we're talking about uh, belief in the system and the, uh, let's say, impunity and stuff like that. We're talking about social and economic inequality. That uh, makes a pressure to you know criminals to go in that direction, mm-hmm. um, and you are talking about the, f- the 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 rationalization. So any meaning someone doing something on the belief that it's not that bad for some mm-hmm. reason. So I'm I'm stealing from this big organization because they are super, uh, they are huge and they they have plenty of or, money. Or they're so, just removed from me. You know that I don't yeah. know them, and it's like a video game. Unfortunately, that. You know, we find that in web hosting that you know, we deal with a lot of DDoS attacks and, you know, malware and hacking attempts and other things. We get folks coming over to us, you know, for help on, on securing that side of their website. Yeah. Um, yeah. And- so, so geographically speaking, the, the fraud rates are very different from one country to the other, hmm. um, especially considering that the shipping address, if you're talking about uh, uh, physical goods and opposed to digital goods, is, uh, is like the data point that has to be true. So you can't make a fraud from Nigeria and deliver a good. I mean, you can, but there, then you have an additional step of sending the good back to your country. So if you look at the uh, highest risk countries in the world, we are talking about uh, Russia, Brazil, Mexico, and Nigeria are the famous names that, that will come to our minds. So they're pretty spread in the world. Uh, so fraud, yes, fraud varies a lot, uh, geographically speaking. Uh, when it comes to the effects of uh, the corona uh, thing in the in the fraud rates, then um, we still did it. It's it's early to have to make conclusions, but uh, because ClearSeal, as you said, has a, a global presence, we have customers um, in the the eastern side of the world, and most importantly, customers in the U.S. and North America that deliver to these countries. And the effect on those countries and the volume of orders have been has been much earlier there, right? So mm-hmm. uh, uh, Japan and China are the two uh, biggest uh, destinations of one of our largest customers in out of Canada, and uh, the the volume of these particular customers, especially when it comes to the orders going to that direction, uh, the the decrease was was huge, and it happened actually. 
three weeks ago started happening three uh, or four weeks ago so, so uh, i would say those effects that we mentioned, maybe yeah yeah, yeah. so those effects uh, that we mentioned before about you know variations in volume uh, impacting the fraud rates started happening in uh, in, in earlier for some countries than others but i i i, I tend to believe that all of them are going to face similar challenges so if you know we're speaking to merchants that are uh, jumping into e-commerce because their brick and mortar sales channels are not uh, not able to service customers the same way what would some of those telltale signs be if they're manually reviewing an order and scratching their head trying to think is is, is this a good order is it a bad order should i fill it or should i not fill it um, what are some of those things that are, are pretty visible uh, from your perspective? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, the first thing is uh, fraud prevention is a complex uh, uh, topic, and I would say that technology will have will play a, a very important role there, um, especially to flag only the risky orders and allow the non-risky orders to go through without you know the risk of being delayed or or, or, or being declined by a, a a decision uh, mm -hmm. made by a, a human being. However, the human aspect, the human touch of of uh, of it, uh, st still plays an important role. As I said, more than eighty percent of the merchants in the U.S. have some sort of manual review as part of their uh, decision flow, and that has to do with the fact that the, I mean, we we are all talking about uh, machine learning, and I myself am a, a statistician, a data scientist. So as much as I rely on it. I know that the machines learn what we teach them, right? Mm -hmm. So you gotta you gotta have someone saying which orders are uh, fraudulent, which are not, so that the the algorithms train themselves and are able to replicate this behavior. That said, um, um, the formula, let's say, that we all uh, believe on in most of the fraud prevention specialists is approving as much as you can automatically, meaning letting your algorithms and a solution provider or an internal bunch of rules, whatever a merchant wants, so that you only flag the risky orders, then you put a human being to review it. When it comes to reviewing it, then goes back to your question, in what should you look at uh, when trying to manage review? And then, obviously, it's a multi-factor uh, verification. You've got to look at uh, mainly uh, many source of information, but I would say the most important one is the link between uh, the data points, right? So does it make sense, this email address uh, uh, linked to this phone number, does the shipping address, has this shipping address uh, uh, been used with this name before? Has this credit card been used with how many different phone numbers? So most of the variables in the in the and the data points uh, and rules understood uh, use it during this process are going to be related to this links between the different data points, um, and that's why there are so many. And that's why uh, looking at algorithms uh, tends to be a, a good response. Well, to that. and now there's so much data out there that even social media data that ties Correct. back with people. Um, so it, it's more than just what it might have been. I don't know. You know. I, I don't want to go back to the Stone Age when I got into e-commerce, but <laughs> but in, in earlier days. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the the standard way of preventing fraud uh, ten years ago 
uh, was a rules-based uh, systems, right? So you have you had the, the in-house, especially the enterprise-level merchants, had their in-house systems developed internally, uh, ba- basically based on rules, right? So does this match with that? Uh, how well, how much is this order? Does it make sense? The complexity and the availability of data points and information is increasing so much that it's so hard to manage these rules. How do you sort them? Okay, it fell into this rule that seems to be a good thing. Like, let's say this credit card was used in this shipping address before, but at the same time is a proxy IP out of Russia. So how do you add up those two in if, you're ha- if you have a rules-based system? The technology answered to this challenge by kind of weighting those two variables and multiple others through an algorithm and that's what we call uh, machine learning or artificial intelligence. So you do, you still include all those variables and those common sense knowledge into your uh, models, but now you let technology tell you how much uh, each of these weight in the final score that will define whether or not the order is going to be uh, approved. Yeah, and Blue, I, I know that you know models like uh, you know the system that. ClearSale has, has brought to the market um, for years that your team can even ensure uh, that, that the orders are going to be safe, that, that you're allowing through, um, that, you know, that there, there's some, some good stuff out there for folks that, that are really on the front lines and, uh, and, and worried about the impact it's going to have on their business. Um, you know, I, I know none of us are Clairvoyant, you know, we don't know exactly what's coming around the, the corner if, if life has ever taught us that <laughs> it has now. Um, do you have any other recommendations, tips, ideas, uh, things that, that, you know, you think people should be aware of or, or be on the lookout for? Sure. Well, I believe, I, I think there are two things. First, when it comes to fraud prevention um, in any complex topic, I believe that the world is going through a, a change and has been through a change in the last few years. And uh, my overall recommendation is to find the right partners and people that understand pretty well what they're doing uh, before not necessarily trying to do yourself uh, the, the different aspects of your business. And fraud prevention is no different. So uh, looking for the right partner to outsource or not the decision, it, either if it's a system, uh, uh, you know, a partner that provides you with more information for a conscious decision, whatever level of help you will choose, uh, look for some help. The fraud prevention, customer service, digital marketing, whatever, because nobody knows everything, right? So, um, well, and, and if you're tied down on too many things, you really can't focus on growing the business, on exactly. do, doing what you're supposed to be doing to be successful. You can't double down on supporting your customers while you're dealing with every technical aspect. So. Yeah, yeah. Increase your sales and, and deliver good products and, uh, and do good marketing campaigns already is hard enough so that you don't have to deal with some other stuff, right? So I, I'm a big fan of outsourcing and, and looking at partners that, you know, build a win-win uh, type of relationship and stuff like that. And that's my first, let's say, takeaway. Secondly, I want to I wanna mention uh, my uh, optimism about what's going on with everything, especially when it comes to the uh, e-commerce uh, environment where we are all uh, inserted, right? 
So um, I believe that the short term, we're going to see uh, uh, kind of an economic uh, uh, recession and that will affect obviously retailer and in particular e-commerce. But after that, and after this, this wave comes, I believe that we are all sitting into uh, a seed that is going to keep growing, right? So uh, the, the fact that everybody's working from home, the fact that people are buying a line that never bought before, are bring, those facts are bringing new buyers to the table and people buying things that they were not trusting uh, uh, enough in the system and in the e-commerce channel uh, to, to buy before, and now they are trusting. So I think we that work in the online space have to look at it as an opportunity. Uh, if you think about the sizes and the, still, the space that the U.S. Uh, e-commerce still has to grow if you compare to countries like uh, 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 the United Kingdom, where 30% of the retailer is through the online chain, while in the U.S. is less than 20%. Any change that any migration from regular and brick-and-mortar uh, e uh, retailer to e-commerce will make a big impact, right? So mm -hmm. if we're talking about 1% of retailer of retail business going to uh, migrating to e-commerce that already represent more than 4%, uh, an increase in, in the e-commerce space because of how different the size of these two big sources of business uh, are. So uh, I, I look at this in a very optimi optimistic way, especially uh, uh, understanding our, uh, the fact that we are working in the online space and I, I, I see good things coming. Yeah, well, I, I think we all need to keep our eye on, on the future that, uh, you know, there are there's a lot out there, um, you know, to be optimistic about. And I, I do think that, you know, in terms of long-term productivity, uh, you know, the ability to not commute an hour each way and to spend more time just diving into work and, and being with family, other things that I, I think that people are going to learn from this experience. Um, you know, maybe it means that they go into the office three days a week, not five. I, I think there's going to be a lot of conversation uh, as a society about a, a lot of different things of that nature. Um, that that are going to hopefully have positive impacts. In the meantime, um, uh, you know we're really appreciative, Raphael, for you, for you, you know coming on uh, the podcast on short notice to talk about what, what you and your team are seeing in terms of fraud. And you know I, I want to uh, you know extend to our our listeners and viewers um, that as I'll continue to. Uh, in episodes, we're going to keep uh, doing our best to tackle timely topics that, that can help businesses in the short term with what they're facing. And we are also going to continue to try to bring resources to you. I know that both ClearSale and JetRails are involved in a project called OfflineToOn.com, where uh, there are now over a thousand e-commerce professionals, uh, you know, e-commerce experts of different sorts and representatives of different businesses that support the e-commerce ecosystem banded together um, to help bring merchants that were not online um, into e-commerce and, and help them basically triage in a rush uh, to get the resources that they need. Lots of volunteers participating, lots of tech companies uh, with unique offers uh, going through that group. There are also um, you know, other programs available. We'll add some links in, uh, in the description to the episode in the show notes. Uh, you know, at JetRails, we have an initiative 
through uh, one of our teammates, Tom Pachalski, to help merchants that are already up and running, but that are facing new or different challenges than what they've experienced in the past, uh, whether that's trying to get set up with, with buy online, pick up in store, or changes in uh, website traffic or, um, you know, or fraud or whatever it may be. We want to route you to the right resources and, um, and, and help make sure that, uh, you know, that while a lot of people out there are hurting, it's not because there's, uh, there's a lack of resource or folks that, that want to help. Um, so with that, uh, stay safe, stay healthy and happy selling.